Coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast, I'm accused of going off my rocker. I mean, he, he was tooled up. Cleveland is insulted that you even asked. It's only because he's a mad moron. Uh, pot, pot, does, does Queen Potme know that you abuse hallucinogenics? Oh, it's a live one here for you today. NFL Draft guests and talking crazy here we go if we can if we can drag this back to to reality we go out we hit people in the mouth you play to win the game next fan up i want winning featuring pod vader and the super fans they are who we thought they were Hello and welcome to the Patriots Heavy Edition of the Next Fan Up Podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Pod Vader, and I promised it on Twitter, and we are now here. It will be a very Patriots Heavy Edition of the Next Fan Up Podcast. Uh, To sort of regulate some of the Patriot heaviness, uh, I do have other super fans that are not Patriot related, but before I introduce them... I will introduce the Patriot Superfan, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Pod. For the record, I am 64202, so I'm not quite heavy. Oh, all right. Well, then, fair enough. Uh, to uh, offset your 202 and my unfortunate 231, uh, we bring in Neil from across the pond. He is a Washington Redskins superfan. Hello, Neil. Hey, guy. Hey, Jay. Hey, Patrick. I actually got a boot in the pick with Patrick. Uh, Patrick, uh, ready, ready player one? That was a terrific film. It was far better than Tomb Raider. Uh, well, if we're setting the standard against Tomb Raider, I'm sure that's probably true. If we're setting the standard against the book, then no, I don't think so. Mm. Book? What's a book? The other gentleman laughing is our other usual Thursday regular and uh, super fan for the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. Oh, James. More enthusiasm. More enthusiasm, Pod. Put some gusto in your voice when you say that. Fly, no, it's not going to How's everyone doing? Yeah, you know that's never going to happen, and I have to do it all season long. So, Hey, 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 hey. You, you know what? You guys have five of these things. Live a little. No, I, I live quite quite fine but i okay. am not going to give you the enthusiasm share, share the you deserve <laughs> enjoy someone else's success enjoy someone else's success we, we've well, had I, to suffer through patriots whatever for the last millennium for this entire millennium basically well yep, i can tell you I, I try to enjoy other successes but the boyfriends i keep picking are in the afc which means they ultimately have to lose to my husband's uh this year it will be different. My boyfriends will be in the NFC. Uh, mm. That's a tease for later on this year. Uh, not a tease, and uh, certainly one of our rivals in the AFC East. It is our Bills superfan, uh, Rob. Hello, Rob. Are the Bills even at rival status? I mean, they might be next <laughs> year, but <laughs> they're, uh, they're getting there. They're getting there. I'm just here to justify my day drinking today. Oh, well, uh, what are we drinking? Um, right now, a little vodka and club soda. No, no, it's very, it's very light drinking at the present time. But you shouldn't be encouraging the youth of today to do any sort of day drinking. And that brings us to our Chargers super fan, Ken, who's still in San Diego, even though his team is in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm just here to be challenged intellectually, uh, like fellow millennial Josh Rosen apparently needs to be. Hmm. You've come to the right place, young man. <laughs> That's why and I'm here. 
<laughs> and you have two. If you're listening to the podcast, you can always reach out to us uh, via email, nextfanup at gmail.com. We're looking for three super fans. It's funny. At one point, I thought we had 10 openings. We're down to three. Uh, so if you're interested in representing the Carolina Panthers, the Cincinnati Bengals, or the Tennessee Titans, uh, who just got new uniforms, by the way, uh, you can reach to out to us. <laughs> what happened to who? Bob, the Tennessee guy. Oh, uh, Chaps, you mean? I don't think his name is well, Bob. I always called him Bob. I know. <laughs> we, call, we all call <laughs> him Bob. I don't know. <laughs> Chaps has gone radio silent on us. It's it's really annoying, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, those... the preacher. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you why. Just going to leave it at that. I mean, he he was tooled up with. I mean, I saw a video of him shooting things out of a out of a tank. (laughs) Titans, Bengals, and of course the Panthers are the openings we have. Next fan up at gmail.com. You can follow all of our podcasts on Facebook, facebook.com slash NFU podcast, and Twitter. At NFU Podcast, we've got a little bit of a hot one going on right now on Twitter. A little thread that got started by our chief superfan, Nick, who may or may not be joining us later on in the show, uh, talking about Patrick Mahomes. And as you guys know, uh, we have a little wager, myself and Nick, on Patrick Mahomes' success or lack thereof this coming season. Uh, What is going to be funny, Neil? What's going to be funny? Uh, well, watching uh, RG three uh, stepping into the breach when uh, when Flacco goes down for the for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Now, that was a signing that occurred this week for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, really, not uh, not all that interesting. There's been some other moves, really not all that interesting. The most interesting one, and why the show will be Patriots heavy, is the New England Patriots traded away Brandon Cooks to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams seem to be the destination for everybody at this particular point. The Patriots gave up a uh, Brandon Cooks and a fourth-round pick. They received the number 23 pick overall and a sixth-round pick from the Los Angeles Rams. Patrick, it seems like this was a move that was in the works anyway. We understand that the Patriots' way is they're not going to pay you top dollar, and Brandon Cooks in a contract year was certainly going to be looking for top dollar, not this season, next season. Uh, True to a point. I mean, the Patriots normally don't trade away players uh, in a contract year. They normally let them play out the contract. Um, So, and then either resign them or let them walk later. They get the compensatory pick. Um, There's just a little bit more value that way to get the player on the low player for a year on a relatively light, um, you know, monetary commitment plus a compensatory pick, that's better typically than trading somebody away. Not in this case, though. I like this trade as much as I hated the one last year, right, for the exact same reason. We're trading a guy on the last year of a of a deal, right? So we're going to trade away the rights to a good wide receiver for, you know, 16 games, and we're going to get back um, a player of our choosing uh, to a large extent for, like, 80 games. That's a better deal. Yeah, I I 
I'm totally down for training weight, Brandon Cooks. But as I read and hear more and more about the turmoil in Foxborough, the Brady and Gronk are unhappy with Bill sort of conversations that are going on, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to present to you an extremely hot take, and that is oh. let's let's call it let's call it now. Let's end the dynasty. Let's get rid of Brady. Let's get rid of Gronk and start fresh this season. Uh, that would be the I said best that last line. year and the year before, and you mocked me. And I did. I tell you what, Pod, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. What are you gonna do? You're gonna get rid of Brady for what? I'm gonna you get know, like, rid of Brady for a first round draft choice. You can certainly get a first. You can get a first round pick for Brandon Cooks. You can get a first round pick for Tom Brady. Well, like, yeah, you can get one, like, but let's he's pump not the break there. The point of his career. I'm, well, all right. Well, here's all right, guys. Let, let's leave that because I knew there was going time. to be pushback. I knew there was yes. going to be pushback. So let us begin at pick number one Cleveland Browns. Hi, Cleveland. I'm New England. I have Tom Brady here for you. Would you like Tom Brady for your number one pick? By the way, you still have number four, so you can still draft your quarterback of the future to back up Tom Brady, but we're going to get our choice of quarterback with pick number one. Why would Cleveland say no? Well, because they can also get their pick of quarterback for choice number one. Right. Well, they get they get another quarterback at number four. Yeah, but they probably have plans to bolster that roster with pick number four. You're talking about Chubb or Saquon Barkley if they're still around based on teams two and three picking quarterbacks. So, no, you shorten your roster space. You shorten your roster productivity by uh, giving away the quarterback of the future for the quarterback of right now. Who's not My argument, no, because you're still getting the quarterback of the future and you're getting a quarterback right now that will improve your team better than Barkley or Chubb will do. It's an instantly fireable offense to do that. I, I, I'd, I'd rather have the quarterback of the future and Barkley or Chubb as opposed to Tom Brady and the quarterback of the future. Yeah, Cleveland's not in a spot where they're a QB away from being, you know, a high-level football team. They're trying to right. rebuild a roster. They don't, they don't need to give up that one pick. What they want to do is get that quarterback on the cheap salary for five years and, you know, build their roster and build a playoff team. I could understand I, some teams that would be interested in something like that for Tom Brady, a team that's co- like a quarterback away from really being one of the top-level teams. But Cleveland's not that. So if I were Cleveland, I would not do that trade. However, given their acquisitions and who they drafted in the last two years, I could make an argument that they're a quarterback away from making the playoffs. Right from from in their division, right? If they can get by the Steelers, and the Steelers always implode anyway, right? How did they not win that division with Tom Brady throwing to that receiving core with the defense that they have in place that they're going to augment in this draft, right? Like it's they they're not a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl, but they're a quarterback away from being the best version of that team that they've ever had. All right, so James, you said Cleveland says no. Neil, Cleveland, yes or no? Oh, is this the bit I'm supposed to uh, feign interest in the Patriots? Okay. Ah! Right. No, uh, the Browns. You're feigning interest in the Browns. Oh, fa- okay. Uh, uh, no, definitely not. Okay. Rob, Cleveland says yes or no? Oh, Cleveland says no. Okay. 
And Ken, Cleveland says yes or no. Cleveland is insulted that you even asked. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> we move now to pick number two, the New York Giants, who have Eli Manning. We're going to give them the same. We're giving them the same deal. And as a matter of fact, we're going to be so nice. We're going to give them pick number 23 and Tom Brady for pick number two. Now, Patrick, does the New York Giants say yes or no? My guess is they're going to say no because they've got Eli Manning. Yeah, they're going to say no. It's the same situation they're already in. All right. I'm not even going to bother asking the rest of you because I, I, I'm not big on the Giants saying yes to oh. Tom Brady. However, <laughs> there is another New York team that's picking at number three, the New York Jets. Patrick, I'm going to give the New York Jets Tom Brady for their number three pick. Yes or no? Uh no, because they're going to throw in their first, their second round pick too. Because they're that stupid. All right. <laughs> they don't have any left for like the next three years. Oh, you're right. You're right. I don't know. I don't know then. Andrew's having an aneurysm right now. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Rob, are they going to say yes or no? Well, given who the GM is, I think they'd say yes, but it's only because he's a that moron. Okay. <laughs> Neil. I'm with Rob. Nice. James? Absolutely not. Um, Taking Tom Brady, I mean, there's nothing on the offensive roster for him to work with. Okay. Yeah, but you're too dumb to know that. So, so here's where here's where I think things will get would get the most interesting. All right, let's let's we're we're playing a hypothetical game anyway. So we're gonna say the top four picks are not available. Hi Denver. Hi John Elway. You re- you are struggling mightily at quarterback. I have Tom Brady. We would like your number five pick. Does Denver say yes or no, Patrick? I don't think they say yes. Oh, I think John Elway absolutely says yes. Neil. Well, for the sake of brevity, Jay, well, can we just move straight to pick number 75? Because that's that's when you're going to finally get a yes to this question. 75? I wouldn't no. give you I wouldn't I wouldn't give up a second round pick for Brady. Well, you're you, well, you are foolish. But you also yeah, have you also have different. you also have Tom Brady and Alex Smith. So just doesn't have the right coaching staff around him. Yeah, okay. Right. I think Elway would pull the trigger on that. And how dare you try and send Tom Brady to my division? Mm, well, that's that's the problem when Denver's picking number five. Rob, uh, I could I could uh, honestly I could picture him doing it. I think the first like realistic spot, like just kind of mentally going down the list, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be Arizona? It would be Arizona. That's the that's the first spot that jumps to mind at fifteen. I think all this is you know it's fun to talk about, but I think the first realistic spot would be Arizona at fifteen. But they wouldn't have named their son Brady. Hmm. All right, I didn't even know that. (laughs) But I'm I'm going to say that Elway would do this. Um, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but earlier this week it came out that another executive around the league pointed a question to a, a reporter who was asking him about the Broncos QB situation that Elway, since he's been in the front office there, has not done a good job picking quarterbacks. In fact, they have a losing record with every quarterback not named Peyton Manning. Hmm. All right. Yeah, so, 
All right. So so here we go. We've gotten the most consensus around number five. Fifteen's not going to do it for the Patriots because we need to get we need to get a quarterback out of the deal because we don't have Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. By the way, this would have been definitely much more enticing with Jimmy Garoppolo on the <laughs> in oh, play yeah. here. Well, absolutely uh, would have been. I, I okay. retweeted I retweeted, um, I forget who, who said it, but uh, the Patriots now have the two first rounders it would take to get Jimmy Garoppolo on the team, uh, which is a shame. Yes, Neil. I should make you cry. I was just going to make the same point. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a shame that uh, Garoppolo is not around to do this. All right, so the Patriots picking at number five. Let's assume that the draft – uh, that the teams in the order stay exactly as is the Browns most likely taking Darnold, the giants. I don't think we're all in agreement that they're going to take a quarterback here, Neil, but are you saying the giants take a quarterback at number two? As it currently stands, I would, I would do if I was a giants GM. Yeah. And they're Probably taking take one or they'll trade out to someone that will. And the well, giants I, I are guess take... it'll, it'll be the either Allen, yeah, Allen or Rosen, I would guess. All right, and that leaves, and the Jets going to take the other one, or are they going to take Mayfield? No, they'll take the other one. They'll take the other one. So that gives the Patriots the choice of Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson. Patrick, which one do you want? I I I fundamentally object to the entire premise of this game, but uh, (laughs) given those two options, given those two options, I'll take Baker Mayfield. By the way, uh, we can play. I, I mentioned the Patriots should be trading away Gronk too, except Gronk's going to cost a lot more. I want a first this year and a first next year for Gronk. This Which is a semi annual. I'm going to complain about my contract, Rob Gronkowski. Like he does yeah. this every two years. It's like, don't worry about it. This is uh, this is just posturing to get a, a better deal. I don't care better if it's posturing or not. I'm saying it's time. I'm saying it's time to blow it up and start over. Yeah, Patrick, so I'm, I'm getting sure rid of Tom Brady and Rob. Here's the deal: if I get rid of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, and perhaps this is me playing Madden, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get two of the top ten picks. Plus, I have two of the bottom picks in the first round as well. I'm going to completely rebuild my team on youth. You are Plus playing that and don't give you a top ten pick for an old tight end with a back problem. Oh, the best tight end in the game. Yes, Who's he has been. Four years left on his contract. I don't know how many years. It doesn't matter how many future. Like, like Pod, he's kind of. Once you've become the best in the game, that means you're almost by definition past your prime. Right, mm. like you don't become the best that ever was and still have ten years ahead of you. I don't know. I'm. I want more for. I want more for Gronk, and I'm trading away Brady. I know I'm going to get at least number five for Brady, maybe in our hypothetical game. And I. I think the Browns. The I think the Giants would definitely take Gronk and give us their number two. What? What? Yep. That's insane. They need a quarterback. Hi. They, they, and there's Lord. going to be one available at two. Why would they give that away when they just drafted a tight end last year? I, because Gronk is a better tight end who compliment Odell God. Beckham Jr. Oh and now I don't need a quarterback. I, I'm I'm no, still a believer in Eli Manning, which is horrible. It, I just threw up in my mouth saying that. But Eli Manning with Gronk and Odell Beckham? Are you kidding me? 
It'd be the all injured team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, this, this this is my hot take. This is this is what I believe the Patriots should be thinking about right now. And yes, Patrick, I may have been late to the party, but at this point, with the news and the way that things are going, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a very rosy outlook for this season uh, with an unhappy Brady and an unhappy Gronk. Who seems to be sort of in between whether he cares or not. I want to go back to our game last year where you were pretending you were the Browns GM, and I would fully endorse that. Like, if you could go be the Browns GM, like, we could make these trades. Like, we could make those happen. Yeah. I, and I would make those trades. I would take, by the way, if I'm the Browns GM, I will give you my first and fourth for Brady and Gronk. Just think about the Gronk and Joku combo from Tom Brady. That'd be amazing. They don't need a frankly anything else <laughs> I, I can't believe you guys for for that that's not I can't a believe the rest of you guys aren't on board with this idea because <laughs> they're not patriots fans yes not no not at all uh all right there you go that's uh that is the biggest news that uh has happened this week uh, I think well, it's do you want to talk about who days. legitimately they could get at 23 and is it worth giving up a wide receiver for that well, I think it is. All right. I if we want to stay yeah. Patriot-centric. I, all right. I have questions. <laughs> all yeah. right. Go ahead, Neil. Go ask your questions. Well, I, I mean, Patrick's quite right through his questions. I think uh, uh, you've got picks, what, 23 and 31. Is that correct? The first round? Yes. So what, what, what's, no, what's the – if we, if we can drag this back to, to reality, uh, what is the – what do you think is the Patriots' plan with picks 23 and 31? And and what was really the, you know, you covered at wide receiver. I think no. we're covered at wide receiver. <clears throat> no, I do. I like we're probably a bit older than I'd like to be, but I went, I hate investing in wide receivers in the draft because they almost never work out. And mm-hmm. same with free agents; those almost never work out either. So you kind of got to bring in guys at volume, and it's kind of a crapshoot to like figure out which one of the guys you bring in is going to stick. So you never want to overinvest on them. Like bringing them into the Patriots system. So I wouldn't take a, I wouldn't replace a receiver through the draft that way. Um, that said, we need help at linebacker. It's a good plot, good spot for Vander Asher. Actually, there's you know, a couple of linebackers that could be there in the early twenties. Um, if we get super lucky, maybe we get Jackson um, play corner. Uh, that would be awesome. You know, or, one of the other corners that would, you know, fit well, like value-wise, at either either 23 or 31. So I think these are these are two positions where our defense gets helped out, and we kind of ignore the offense a little bit. That said, we still need a left tackle. I know, and if there's, am I still here? Yeah. Yes. Good. Yeah. That said, if um, you know, there's a left tackle available um, at 23, maybe we take that. You know, but chances are they're not going to be very good. But in any event, like. We're in great position. If we keep those picks, uh, Belichick being Belichick, we probably won't. We'll probably either package them to move up or we'll package them to move down or, or whatever. But, like, uh, we're we're in far better position now with that second first-round pick than we were, you know, a couple of days ago. Did you, Patrick, did you happen to see the uh, the video clip of Belichick putting Bradley Chubb through his paces at his pro day? <laughs> I did uh, not. 
you know, it was it was actually yeah. really really interesting to see it, and uh, it stuck in my mind. And I was thinking, is that something you'd want to trade up for? Use some of these picks you've got to trade up and get this guy because there seemed to be a there seemed to be a a real fondness there between Belichick and and, and Chubb. By the yeah, way, I it's a question. Did. It's a question that I asked Scott Wright of uh, Draft Countdown, which you'll hear a little bit later on. Well, my my assumption there is that like we're not going to have the capital to get up high enough to actually take them. But um, uh, maybe this is one of those situations where Belichick is planning ahead for four or five years from now when he is in a position to acquire the guy. If we offer the Giants Gronk and number twenty three. <laughs> Oh we'll God. have plenty of capital to get Bradley Chubb. And three nights with Giselle, just as likely. No, that's not mm. part of the deal. Oh, crossing but, a line. I'm sorry. By the way, looking at the Patriots wide receiver depth chart, you're talking about Julian Edelman coming off of ACL. He's not going to be Julian Edelman for at least half the season. Chris Hogan, whom I still like as a secondary option, uh, mm-hmm. he's a solid wide receiver, Philip Dorsett, who didn't, I mean, did he, do we really feel like Philip Dorsett is fit in with the offense? I'm not no, feeling he's all that. No, fourth receiver. It's Malcolm Mitchell. Well, Malcolm Mitchell, can we trust that he's going to be healthy this season? He was gone nope. the entire, the entirety of last season and missed a few games in his first season. So mm-hmm. I can't trust Malcolm Mitchell. Corderell Patterson, who's nothing more than a kick returner and Kenny Britt who's been a bust everywhere. Yep. Daryl Patterson. I, I, I agree. I'd be replacement for cooks is what I think. Yeah. But cooks was a good route runner and Patterson's not, but um, yeah, it's, it, it, he was a good player. He's a great locker room guy, like super positive attitude. Everybody loved working with him, being around him, early to meetings, stay late, all that. Like you, there wasn't a negative word you could say other than, like, he wasn't worth the first-round pick we gave up for him, right? And uh, by proxy, he's not worth, a, you know, retaining, um, you know, in the face of getting a first-round pick back. So it's a good move. Uh, I had asked you, Patrick, to rank the Patriots' needs for me. Uh, you ranked them cornerback number one, which I disagree with, left tackle number two, which I think is the number one, Linebacker number three, which I think is the number two. Defensive end four, center at five. I don't think the Patriots need a center. I see it as left tackle, linebacker, wide receiver, and a backup quarterback for the future because we don't have one on the roster anymore. Yeah, you know, if if that's your fourth need, you're not going to get a backup quarterback and have him be like a quarterback for the future. Like those, those are antithetical concepts. Like if you want a quarterback for the future, you're drafting in the first half of the first round. Hmm. Maybe, unless Lamar Jackson's there at number 23, which he could be, right, Neil? He theoretically could be. <clears throat> could be. But is he your quarterback of the future? Or is he a guy that you drafted at 23? Well, here's the other thing that that I know about the Patriots is they like to take what beat them and do it and do it better than that team did before. So James team just beat the Patriots with the RPO. If the Patriots were to draft Lamar Jackson, I have a strong feeling that's exactly what they would be doing. 
and of course, this goes to the getting rid of Tom Brady part as well. Yeah, Tom Tom Brady wasn't the second best quarterback in that game, though. No, so like our, he our offense played just fine. He wasn't. Tom Brady actually, I think, outperformed uh, Mr. Foles in term in a statistical yeah. uh, manner, except for Brady dropped a pass, whereas Foles <laughs> caught one. <laughs> And um, still wasn't the best quarterback in that game. We all know it was Trey Burton. <laughs> sure. Uh, good By point. Way, being Trey, Bur- Trey the- Burton has one more career touchdown pass than Pat Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good point being brought up in the chat here is that. Uh, what does this all mean for the Rams? We might as well talk a little bit about the Los Angeles Rams getting Brandon Cooks. Uh. From a wide receiver depth standpoint, they now look at Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup uh, as being their top receiving options. And they have the bust in Tavon Austin still on their roster, uh, which is uh, an interesting uh, replacement, Cooks over Sammy Watkins, um, which I think is definitely an upgrade. And of course, I mean, their defense, they've, They've done a lot to improve their defense with Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue uh, and those uh, and those corners and Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. They still are lacking at linebacker. That's their biggest weakness right now. Uh, but the Rams, I think, have done enough to make me maybe even turn my boyfriendish eye off of that team in San Francisco and look more towards that team in Los Angeles and not the one that's named the Chargers, Ken. Yeah, the Rams are stacked. The Rams are stacked. I think they got an awesome receiver in Brandon Cooks. Um, and I think if you if you're the Rams, you have your quarterback of the future. You just tried the Sammy Watkins experiment and got burned pretty bad. So you're looking for a receiver. Odell's going to be too pricey. The Patriots are willing to give up Cooks for you know a hefty but fair price. And now you know they don't have to go search in the draft to try and find their star wide receiver. They just pay him and they're going to have to pay him a lot, but they have golf under a rookie deal so they can do that. You know, it's super smart for the Rams. Super smart. Uh, but Neil, what does this ultimately mean for Aaron Donald who keeps looking for a payday held out for most of last season? Uh, and now all of these other guys are on the team. Where are the Rams finding this money? Well, they are uh, they are using the imaginary salary cap so they can do what they like. It seems to be uh, in terms of Donald J. Uh, last year, yeah, he did. What did he miss? He missed all of preseason. Did he actually miss games? Yeah, I, I'm pretty yeah, sure he, he held out games. for almost half the season. No, he and missed two that games. chip on his shoulder only two. That games. chip on his shoulder led him to being the NFL's defensive player of the year, didn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't pay him either. Let him let him play with that chip on his shoulder. He seems to be to play quite well. Then he's got another what he's got this year on his on his on his deal. So they would they will uh, they will uh, pay him eventually. But I don't think they'll pay him until the end of the end of the coming season. Jay, they might franchise him next year. Why pay him? He played fantastically well last year. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Aaron Donald is on the last year of a four year deal. Last year. Okay. Expected to make a base salary of six point eight million dollars this year. The sure. best Which is contract in that's the, the NFL. That's, the best value. That's and Dominican Sue's weekly wage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh pretty much. 
Um, but it's, it's great. I mean, the Rams, Ken made a great point uh, there and on off air just to say how important it is nowadays to get a, a, a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback on, on a rookie deal who is very good. If you can get that, then you can pretty much do whatever you like, James. That's very true. And James, as you look at what the LA Rams have done so far this season, uh, uh, their moves seem to be eerily familiar to a certain team that I guess won the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, they're, they're trying to go all in on key pieces where they feel they're deficient. Uh, the previous offseason, Philadelphia pretty much went heavy on basically edge rushers and wide receivers and turned the team around in basically the training camp period up until Wentz got hurt and folks stepped in and got things back on track. And the Rams' deficiency, pretty much they felt it was their secondary. Um, two new corners, uh, Jettison, pretty much every linebacker they had, shipped out Quinn, bring in Sue, and now Cook's on offense to bolster that receiving core. I mean, they, I, I feel that Cooper Cup is a star on the rise with the Rams and I mean, I can't name any of the Ricky wide receivers from last year, but Cooper Cup made some amazing plays. There was one catch I know he probably wishes he caught, which is the first matchup against Seattle. But the the future between him and and Goff is very bright in L.A. All right. So that's going to do it for the top story of the NFL this week. Uh, We want to hear from you. Talk about my crazy idea of trading away Brady and Gronk right now, because I guarantee you it could happen. Uh, Plus, we could see uh, Bill Belichick uh, retire and walk away sometime in May. That's the you want to watch May 1st for some reason. Uh, That's that's the whispers I'm hearing. Something something's happening. So we'll see. Uh, Let's talk. Let's talk. Are you yeah, sure those whispers you're hearing are not just those whispers you're hearing? Are you sure they're not, they're not just voices in your head? Could be. They, they very well could be. Uh, these are not voices in my head. Uh, we're going to talk with, well, I'm going to talk with uh, NFL draft expert uh, Scott Wright and also NFL draft prospect from Arkansas Pine Bluff, Johnny Daniels. Here we go. It's my pleasure now to bring in a draft expert. We've talked to this guy before. It's been a long time since he's been on the show. I'm glad to have him back again. It is Scott Wright of DraftCountdown.com. You can check him out on Twitter. It's at DraftCountdown on Twitter, right, Scott? That's correct. Awesome. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. Uh, it's uh we're we're having a spirited conversation. I've got this big hot take. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So uh I sort of filled you in a little bit right before we started recording. Uh my thought is the Patriots should just blow everything up right now. It's time uh, with all this turmoil, uh, clearly Brady's towards the end. Gronk isn't happy. They already traded away Brandon Cooks. Let's get let's let's blow it up and start over. Now, I obviously feel much better about this idea if Jimmy Garoppolo was still there, um, but he's not. So we got to deal with what we have. Which team at the top do you think takes Brady for the number one pick? Well, you know that's really interesting because I kind of wonder what is Tom Brady's trade value. Like you said, they're never going to trade him or put him on the market. But what would it be? Could you get a top ten pick for Tom Brady at his age at this point in his career? 
I don't know. I mean, it would have to be a team picking the top 10 that, that's somewhat close. I mean, if you're the Cleveland Browns, I can't imagine you going that direction. Maybe the Jets. Maybe the Jets feel they're close. <laughs> I don't know if they'd want to make a deal with the Jets. Um, the Broncos, I guess, would be a team that, that might, might make some sense. But I don't know if you could even get a top 10 pick for Tom Brady at this point. Maybe. Um, but, you know, it's just such a short-term proposition. Well, here's here's how I sell him to the Browns, okay? The Browns have one and four. So I'm going to offer him to the Browns. You still get to keep pick number four. Patriots going to take pick number one. That just means we're going to get our pick of quarterback, but you're still going to be able to get a quarterback at number four. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't put anything past Cleveland at this point. Um, and, and I think the more interesting scenario is what if they had held on to Garoppolo? And I mean, even at the time, everyone was shocked. That's all they got for Garoppolo. I mean, it wound up being the 41st pick in the second round because they won some games at the end because they, they finally had a quarterback. But, boy, if they had really put him up in an auction-type scenario, uh, especially, like, say, after the season – what could they have gotten for Jimmy Garoppolo? Not, not after the season, but what could they have gotten for him if they just tried to get the best value they could have? I mean, could they have gotten the, the number one or number four pick from the Browns? I think the Browns would have had to consider it. And this is easier to say now in hindsight we saw him play so well, but Garoppolo was already fairly highly thought of before he got traded to the Niners, and he just basically proved what everybody thought about him. So uh, there, I, I still think there's a book to be written about that story, about how he wound up in San Francisco for pennies on the dollar. You brought up the Broncos. It's an interesting it's an interesting spot because it's number five. So you expect three quarterbacks to go before you get to the Broncos. Uh and you would think that John Elway is definitely gonna bite on getting the GOAT uh as the quarterback for his team, if only because he did it before with Peyton Manning. Um I do want uh, it, would it be worth it for the Patriots to go up to number five? I mean, which quarterback is going to be the one that's going to be left at that point? Right. I mean, they'd be in a similar spot as the Broncos are right now. I think the Broncos are looking at quarterbacks, but where they're picking, I mean, we think, at least I still think Sam Darnold's going number one, but one way or another, it's going to be a quarterback there. There's going to be a quarterback going three. And then I think when all is said and done, I think somebody's trading up to two with the Giants. I think the Giants are going to get a deal they can't resist. Maybe it'll be from the Broncos. Maybe the Broncos will explore trading up a few spots to get ahead of the Jets to to have their choice between those two quarterbacks they coached at the Senior Bowl and Josh Allen from Wyoming and Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. But, uh, yeah, Denver's in kind of a tricky spot there at number five, and I don't know that one of those top quarterbacks is going to be there. And, and the wild card in all of this is Josh Rosen. It seems like he doesn't get talked about as much, and I think he is going to be the fourth quarterback drafted just because teams have concerns about him as a person. But, man, he's such a good player. He's a polished pocket passer. If he had the intangibles of Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, he'd be the clear-cut number one overall pick, and I don't think there'd be any question about it. So, um, that, that he's the guy I'm really interested to see. Uh, if those other options are off the board for the Broncos, do they go for Rosen there at number five? Uh, quite possibly, but um, there's going to be a really early run on quarterbacks. And, and even if you're picking a number five overall, you might be too low. Do you see any similarities maybe between the wentz Goff comparisons to maybe the Darnold-Allen comparisons at this point the sort of where each quarterback is in terms of how they look in this point in their career yeah I think there's some validity to the comparisons of Josh Allen to Carson Wentz um, I actually have a similar type of grade on them coming out of, of college they're both uh, just outside my top 10 overall players even though they're obviously going to go a little earlier and 
a little bit different questions uh, with, with Carson Wentz. It was not only the level of competition, but he was also coming off uh, an injury-shortened season, not a lot of experience. But uh, Josh Allen, I, I tell you, he's – I can see how you fall in love with him because it's so easy. He looks every bit the part. He looks like you would draw up a number one overall pick, and, and there are flashes. Uh, Three-quarters of the time when he's throwing the ball, it, it is awesome. The problem is he doesn't know where that ball's going that other 25% of the time, and – one of every four times, he'll just absolutely sail one, and you scratch your head saying, what happened there? So he's a risk. I mean, he is the ultimate boomer bust type of prospect, and there's still a lot of talk that he's going to go number one overall. I think it's going to be Sam Darnold when all is said and done, but um, he's going to go number two or number three overall um, and just the epitome of a boomer bust prospect. And it's such an interesting conversation with him and Baker Mayfield because they're both probably just about equally as risky, but they have – they have a separate, completely different set of potentially fatal flaws. Uh, you know, I, I talked about Allen and with Mayfield. It's just that he's unorthodox in every single way imaginable, from his size to his style of play to his personality um, to the way he throws the ball. Uh, and, and I saw both these guys at the Senior Bowl, and, and I'm still a pretty big skeptic when it comes to Mayfield, but I was even more of a skeptic before the Senior Bowl, and, and he did a pretty good job of selling me down there, i got to admit. Um, it doesn't always look perfect when you're talking about the mechanics and the footwork, uh, but he's got enough arm to make the throws he needs to make. Uh, more often than not, it gets where he's going. And and you could see the intangibles that the NFL people like on the field. Uh, he'd run 20 yards and congratulate his receivers. His teammates really do like him, even if the, the competition doesn't necessarily like him. And, um, you know, Baker Mayfield's kind of that player that college football fans love to hate. Uh, I've called him the J.J. Reddick of college football. But <laughs> while while the, the fans have that opinion of him, I think by and large, the NFL, they like it. They see that and they, they consider him passionate, competitive. Uh, so he's going to go somewhere in that top 10 to 11 overall picks, I think maybe in the top five. But both Allen and Mayfield, uh, risky, risky prospects. And for me, Sam Darnold's the clear-cut number one. Then Josh Rosen's number two for me. Um, in fact, Baker Mayfield, in my overall rankings, I have basically a top 50 grade on him. I have the same grade on him as I do of Lamar Jackson from Louisville, who's probably going to go 20, 25 picks later. See, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because it's been my standing ever since that oh, that horrible Super Bowl that I'm still trying to forget. RPO, RPO, everything's been about the RPO. If I'm any of the 30 other NFL teams and seeing how the Super Bowl played out, I'm trying to make my offense as RPO friendly as possible. And I can't think of a better quarterback to fit that type of system than Lamar Jackson. How in the world can Lamar Jackson not succeed in that type of offense? Well, we talked about how uh, teams may be trying to emulate the Chiefs while getting their quarterback of the future a little earlier rather than later, and I actually have him going to the Saints at number 27 overall uh, as an mm. heir apparent to DeBreeze in my new mock draft I'm working on. But I'm a believer in Lamar Jackson. He's a first round. Uh, he, he's going to go in the first round when all is said and done, in my opinion. But there's a chance he falls out. Um, and, and there again, uh, unorthodox in, in a lot of different ways. And, and the best, you know, I, I said all along, I, I think the comparisons to Michael Vick are apropos, except he's bigger than Vic was coming out of college, and he's more polished passer than Vic was coming out of college. And I don't think the comparisons end there. I think their style of play and what they bring to the table, it's never going to translate into this incredible completion percentage and, and all these huge stats. But more often than not, they win games. You look at Michael Vick's track record as a starting quarterback in the NFL over the years, 
it was pretty positive. Um, he won games, and it's not necessarily did it the way that Tom Brady does it or Peyton Manning does it, but he brings defense with a whole other set of problems with his ability to run, and, and, and it's a concern when you have a quarterback that runs that much, um, and, and I'll be the first to say that, but unlike, for example, Robert Griffin III or Deshaun Watson, it's not like he has a history of knee injuries coming into the league. Those guys have both had major knee injuries that they missed time with, uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't done that. That doesn't mean he's not going to be susceptible to it if he doesn't adjust his style of play, but um, just a dynamic player. And uh, I think he does go somewhere late in the first round, but he could fall out of the first round completely. It wouldn't shock me uh, just because in the NFL, they're risk adverse. Uh, they, they don't want to be the person who tries something different and have it blow up in their face. And, and Lamar Jackson's different. Uh, you're going to have to kind of build your offense around him and, and his unique skill set. But um, I think the potential rewards are, are worth that uh, that risk. Now, as I'm looking at at your rankings and and I'm, and I look at other people's rankings as well, it does seem that the consensus player, who's sort of the surefire can't miss guy that should be drafted this year it's quentin nelson but he's an offensive guard and those guys don't go very early um should teams sort of reevaluate that 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 idea should quentin nelson be going a little bit earlier than where he's currently projected to go yeah and and it's rare for offensive guards to go in the top 10 but not unheard of and and if ever there was an exception to the rule it's quentin nelson um he is just a phenomenal talent, the total package when it comes to the physical tools, the intangibles, uh, he has it all. And uh, I've been covering the NFL draft for 20 years. He's the best true offensive guard prospect I've seen. Uh, he's my number one overall player, and he got my elite grade, which I'm very stingy with. Uh, Nelson and Saquon Barkley, the running back for Penn State, are the only two guys that got my elite grade this year. And um, it's just a matter of positional value. It really is. And, and there's scenarios he could go as high as number two overall to the Giants. Um, and their scenario is going to the top five, but he's going in the top 10, which is uh, really saying something for a true guard. But uh, Quentin Nelson's as close to a sure thing as you get in the NFL draft. And it's not just those physical tools. He's 6'5", 320. He's a really good athlete for a guy that size, but nasty. You know, he, you hear that term play to the whistle. He truly exemplifies that. Uh, he wants to dominate his opponent. So uh, uh, he's a terrific player. He's the best offensive lineman in this draft. And, uh, the case he's made, and because I interviewed him for the website stuff, and I asked him about that question, uh, what, what case do you make to teams that say, oh, we don't want to take a guard in the top five to ten? He said, hey, you got to deal with the, the Indomitian Sioux, the Aaron Donalds, uh, <laughs> those cases on the same team nowadays. But, I mean, the Geno Atkins, the Fletcher Coxes, there's a lot of good uh, interior defensive linemen in the league right now, and, and nothing frustrates quarterbacks more than pressure up the middle. You hear all the talk about these edge pass rushers and, and – and, mm-hmm. Quarterbacks don't like pressure anywhere, but it's worse coming right up the middle. And uh, and Quentin Nelson can help neutralize that. Let's talk a little bit about Saquon as you brought him up. Um, you've given him an elite grade. My position, though, on the running backs, if you're one of those guys that are drafting uh, in the top 10, is, I mean, the drop-off, I know you've given him an elite grade, but I mean... Yep. As I look at what happened last year with the running backs and where some of the running backs were taken, I mean, Leonard Fournette obviously had a huge impact on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but so didn't Kareem Hunt. And so didn't uh, Dalvin Cook before he got injured and uh, Kamara. Exactly. I mean, so there's still going to be some value for some of these guys. Like I look at a Darius Geis and I go, you know, why should I take Barkley early when I can take Geis a little bit later? 
No, I, I'm completely with you. And even though I gave him my elite grade, I'm just philosophically opposed to taking a running back that early. Uh, I want to take advantage of the draft, the depth, which there is once again this year. We had a record-shattering number of underclassmen. There's incredible depth again. Uh, so it, it, just like last year, Fournette got my elite grade last year. Um, and I still wouldn't have taken that early as much as I loved him. Uh, uh, but Barkley, if you're going to take a running back that early, he's the type of player you do it with. I mean, he's a, a terrific all-around weapon, just a freakish blend of, of size, speed, and strength. He's really powerful. Um, he can run the ball. He can catch it. He's also an outstanding return man. Um, he's going to go in the top five overall of the draft. And kind of putting it in perspective, the last few years we've had kind of a string of, of really good running back prospects, starting with Todd Gurley, then Zeke Elliott, then Leonard Fournette. And I, I personally, I would put Barkley number two on that list, right behind Fournette and slightly ahead of Todd Gurley because Gurley had that major injury coming out of college and then Zeke Elliott four. So, He's definitely a special talent at that position, but once again, I want to take advantage of the depth. And the guy I'd be targeting if I needed a running back in this draft uh, in round two, and you could probably even get him in round three, is Rashad Penny from San Diego State, who I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of. Um, kind of waited his turn behind Danell Pumphrey, a super productive player who was a fourth-round pick last year, the Eagles. Finally got a chance as a senior and took full advantage of it, ran for over 2,000 yards at 5'11", 220 pounds, runs 4'4". The one knock on him is he's not a great pass blocker. And that's a big problem. It sounds like a little thing, but teams are not going to put a running back on the field if he's going to get their quarterback killed. So he's got to improve that because if he doesn't, it doesn't matter how talented of a runner or a pass catcher he is, he's not going to get on the field. But if he can improve that blocking, um, I, I think he could be a poor man, Saquon Barkley, as a runner, receiver, and also an outstanding return man like Barkley as well. So he's the guy I'd be targeting to be this year's Kareem Hunt or Alvin Kamara. But Really, I could give you a guy in, in every round of the draft, one through seven, that has the potential to maybe be that. Um, in the fourth or fifth round, Josh Adams from Notre Dame. Durability concerns, but he has early round upside. Um, even getting to the late rounds, Kalen Balazs from Arizona State, tremendous physical talent, just an underachiever throughout his college career. And even Darius Geis, you mentioned his teammate at LSU, Daryl Williams, was at the Senior Bowl. He has some talent. He could be a surprise in the late round. So there's talent to be found at the running back position this year, regardless of what type of player you're looking for. If you want a big physical guy like Bo Scarborough from Alabama, if you want a smaller jack of all trades like Naheem Hines from North Carolina State, um, it's a really good running back crop again. So even though all the attention is going to be on Saquon Barkley, um, there's going to be some talented runners, especially I think you're going to see a run on running backs in that, that back end of the first round maybe, but otherwise early to early to mid-second round with – um, maybe Geis, Ronald Jones from USC, uh, the two kids from Georgia, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Um, just a really good running back crop. Uh, who's, a, who's a guy, I mean, you've already mentioned a number of running backs, but I mean, who's a guy that you think is uh, not getting enough press? Somebody who's going to really stand out, is going to be, a, you know, is going to be maybe even a potential Hall of Famer at some point. Are we talking at running back or just any position? Any position. General? Any position in general? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And because you know, with the running back, so much of it comes down to not just talent, but the situation they go into. Um, I, I guess I'll highlight a favorite of mine, and he's still going to go pretty early, maybe late first round, otherwise early second round, but it's Will Hernandez from Texas El Paso. And he's the type of player mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for. And the reason he's <laughs> going to fall a little bit is just because he's, he doesn't have a lot, of, a lot of versatility in terms of the type of scheme. He's a big, physical, powerful, mauling blocker. You know, if you want one of those quick athletic guys who can pull and get to that second level, he's probably not your flavor. But uh, if you have a power rushing attack and, and uh, he's, you know, he compared himself to Richie Incognito 
Um, he, he brings that type of mentality to the field, another nasty blocker. So uh, he's one of my personal favorites in this draft uh, that I really like. Um, and I mentioned some of the running backs, and but like I say, a lot of times with those guys, it just comes down to the situation they fall into. Um, I'm trying to think who else I would stand out. You know, tight end is a pretty strong draft this year. There's quite a bit of depth. And one guy who impressed me at the Senior Bowl to keep an eye on is Jordan Aikens from Central Florida. Um, he's a little older. He's 26 years old. Uh, he played minor league baseball for a few years, which is why he's older than the average prospect. But, you know, he could be a steal on day three. Um, I could give you guys at every position, but those are a couple off the top of my head, I guess. Uh, our, uh, our draft guys who are on this show today, uh, they've mentioned that the offensive tackle class is uh, fairly weak this season, but uh, maybe there's a guy at, uh, at the tackle position that might surprise people. Um, who, who do you like at the uh, offensive tackle spot? Yeah, and tackle, and the interior offensive line is actually really good, the guards and centers, but tackle is lacking, especially at the top. I think there's some depth, and I think if you're looking for a tackle this year, the sweet spot might be actually round two, round three, even round four. I think you could probably get better value there. But one guy who I think is interesting is Brett Toth. He's an offensive tackle from Army, and he has that service commitment, which kind of clouds his future. But without that, I think he'd be going in the top three rounds, and even with the having to wait a couple of years for his services, probably, I think he's going to go in the fourth round. Uh, so he's an interesting guy. Um, Joseph Noteboom from TCU is an offensive tackle that people aren't really talking about, but I think he's going to go earlier than, than a lot of people expect. Uh, just a, a massive human being, a huge frame, uh, better athlete than, than we kind of anticipated. Uh, so um, he kind of stands out as a potential value uh, at offensive tackle down the line a little bit. Uh, but, but the guy I'll mention at offensive tackle, who I think might be the first one off the board now, is Colton Miller from UCLA, who mm. doesn't really get a lot of pub, and he hasn't necessarily been talked about in the same breath as the top offensive lineman in this draft, but um, just a really, really impressive physical specimen. I mean, he's almost he's a 6'8 and a half, 309 pounds. He ran a sub-5 40-yard dash. Um, just exactly how you draw it up. You hear comparisons to Nate Solder and maybe he could be a possibility for the Patriots in round one as a replacement for Solder. If he's still there at, uh, I think 23, the Patriots have now, but mm-hmm. I actually have him going my new mock draft number 15 to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So that's one of the storylines I'm interested to watch though this year is where does that run on offensive tackle start in the first round last year? It didn't start till I think it was just outside the twenties, I think with Garrett Bowles from the Broncos, but uh, once it starts in the back third of the first round, I think we're going to see a lot of tackles come off the board in that, say, 25 to 50 range. But, yeah, if, if this isn't the year, if you're looking for uh, Orlando Pace or Joe Thomas or John Ogden, Tony Vaselli, um, there isn't that elite guy in this class. Uh, I know we're going longer than what I had mentioned to you before, but we haven't talked about any of the defenders in this year's draft. Uh, to me, and since I did promise a Patriots-heavy podcast today uh to me if the patriots don't decide to blow it up like i'm suggesting and they want to trade up into those top five picks uh with you know taking their two first rounders and moving all the way up the guy to me that they're moving up for is bradley chubb uh i think i think bill belichick sort of tipped his hand a little bit at that uh pro day uh mentioning how oh uh we draft at number 31. We won't be seeing you. Uh, I have a feeling if, if Bill Belichick has a chance to see him, he's going to see him and get him. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make an argument against Bradley Chubb. He's going to go on the top half dozen picks, and he's the top defensive prospect in this draft. And just a, an outstanding combination of not only the physical tools, 
but the intangibles and then translating all of that into production on the field. Um, the one warning I would put with Bradley Chubb as far as expectations is you're not getting Jadavian Clowney. You're not getting Julian Peppers. You're not getting that type of dynamic edge pass rusher, even though statistically he put up a lot of sacks. He just doesn't have that type of burst off the edge. I compare him to a Chris Long type of player. And Chris Long was the number two overall pick in the draft the year he came out. And, and he's been a very good all-around player in the league for a long time. But I kind of that's what I envisioned for Bradley Chubb. He might never get you 12 sacks, but he's going to routinely get you maybe seven or eight. He's going to play the run well. He's going to be a positive presence uh, in the practice field, in the locker room. So he's going to go really early. And I think he could be in play as early as number two to the Giants. Uh, everyone's talked about the Giants with the quarterbacks, which I don't think they're going to do unless Darnold's there. Maybe Saquon Barkley, but ultimately I wouldn't be shocked to see them go with Chubb because that's a position that organization has prioritized. Uh, back in the day during Gettleman's, their general manager, Dave Gettleman's first go around with the Giants, they, they would take defensive ends in the first round when they had no need for them. Um, back when they had Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck, they took Matthias Kiwanuka in the first round. Then they took Jason Pierre-Paul. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Chubb go as high as number two overall. Should we talk kickers? No, probably Again? not. <laughs> There's a good one this year. <laughs> is there? Who, who are we there looking is. at? Daniel Carlson from uh, Auburn, um, who to me, he's a legitimate top three round player at the kicker position. He's the SEC's all-time leading scorer, has a big leg. He can hit from well beyond 50. Um, and, and that's an interesting situation, too. I wonder how much the sting from the Aguayo, Roberto Aguayo situation is going to hurt Daniel Carlson on draft day because – He's legitimately, he'd go in the second or third round um, based on talent alone. But I wonder if he might fall a round or two just because teams are a little uh, squeamish after Aguayo was such a, a colossal bust. But even there, I mean, Aguayo, they didn't reach for him. He was a legitimate top 100 pick. You couldn't foresee a player getting the yips, essentially, is what happened with Aguayo. There were no warning signs there. So, uh, Daniel Carlson, if you're a team like the San Diego Chargers, uh, the San Diego Chargers, their kicking game last, last year cost them, what, two, three, four games, um, and that's a big difference in your season. So if I'm the Chargers, I'm definitely looking at Daniel Carlson. Awesome. Scott, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. It's draftcountdown.com. Everything on the site is totally free. I got a top 300 overall up right now with a, a round conversion key, so you can kind of see where I expect everybody to go. On the main page, you can enter your email address and sign up for my free newsletter. I send out every week with exclusive content and analysis. And then you can also follow me on Twitter at draftcountdown. Awesome, Scott. Thanks so much for joining us. We should probably do this more often. And maybe next time we'll talk a little bit more about the defensive players because uh, we did spend a lot of time on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Anytime at all. In all my excitement, I forgot to talk to the guys about this. You know, we've been talking about this for months now, uh, so it's easy to forget. But you really shouldn't forget that you should be using Harry's razors for your shaves. Why? Because, listen, I'm using it and I love it. Not nicking my face is the best part about using their razors. I have never used a razor that hasn't cut my face uh, at least multiple times. I have never cut my face once with a Harry's razor. And right now, Harry stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision. So they created this trial offer, and you can claim yours by going to harrys.com slash nextfanup right now. Harry's founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. They knew a great shave comes down to great blades made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. I'm telling you, I, I, that's why I haven't nicked my face uh, in the months that we've been talking about using the Harry's razor. 
razors. It's also why they bought a factory that's making some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years. And by selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand, just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more. And everyone knows I like a good deal. I know my wife loves a good deal. So you get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel that makes you smell like a man, not like raspberries and cream, the travel blade cover. Listeners of Next Fin Up, you can redeem your trial set right now harrys.com slash next fan up make sure you go to harrys.com slash next fan up to redeem your offer because if you do it helps us bring you more of the crazy talk that you've heard all show long it's nfl draft time and as you guys know we like to talk to a number of different draft prospects and today is no different uh today i have the pleasure of speaking with Johnny Daniels, he is the former defensive lineman for Arkansas Pine Bluff. Hello, Johnny. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know I got to ask you about your name because I'm sure you've never heard it before about Johnny Daniels. I mean, how, how yeah. often do, you, do, do people ask you about, about the name that you, that you share with a certain alcoholic beverage? Oh, I get it all the time. <laughs> uh, um, hey, do you have a brother named Jack? I heard that a lot. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been quite funny. I mean, listen, I mean, you got to do what you do, right? It's uh, you, you didn't ask for the name, that's for sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what got you, what, what, started how'd you start playing football what got you to love this game that uh you're looking to move on now to the next level um i started i started as a as a kid um i, I really at first i was really in love with basketball but i mean naturally me, me being like very physical we we kind of same myself and my family kind of saying that like i was more physical than other kids so we just tried football and it worked out, but I actually fell in love with it going into high school. Like my freshman year, I really started like understanding the game of football, and I developed a passion for it. Now it's, it's still burning. Like I like I just falling in love with it. What What would you say is uh, your biggest attribute that you're going to bring to a team that might draft you coming up in draft weekend? get to the quarterback pass rushing my um, uh, I feel like I could be one of I could develop into like uh an elite pass rushing defensive tackle I have uh I'm, I'm not raw but I have uh, a long ways from being at my peak so I really feel like I can develop more under the right system what do you see as as something that you got to work on to to improve those pass rushing skills Probably have to get a, a little bit stronger. You know, um, just pretty much just, just recognizing uh, low hat, high hat. I mean, but it's, it's not too much. I, I feel like um, I'm on I'm a good uh, path to being able to, you know, be where I, want, where I need to be. Just young, just, you know, just developing more and getting used to the game, 
Now, I never strap pads on myself. I, I have a 14-year-old son who's getting ready to to play tackle football for the first time. He's played flag football his entire life. But do you remember your first sack? Is it is it sort of like your first love? You never forget your first one? Oh, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> Tell me, t- tell me, tell me what happened on on that particular day. What, what, what was what what how what was the circumstance? What how did you feel after that after the moment? Believe it or not, um, my first sack it actually happened in a weird kind of way because it was actually meant to be a cut block, but I rolled over the guy, so it looked like I flipped. I did a front flip, and I got the oh. I had the so it was like it was it was very interesting. But I was, uh, I was, I was lit. Like I was, I was excited. <laughs> I was like, oh, my blood is running. I was jumping up. <laughs> then, uh, you know, once you get that, you once you get that feeling, you want it, you want it more. So I knew what I had to do in order to keep getting that feeling. So this is very fun. What would you give as advice to to like my fourteen year old son who's getting ready to play football? He's a big boy. He wants to be a quarterback. He's he's obviously played only skill positions in flag football. Uh, there's probably a good chance he's going to end up on an offensive line or a defensive line. What would you first of all? What would you recommend to him? Uh, should he be an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman? What would you prefer? I mean, me personally, I like I like hitting people, so I think uh, I think. I would say defensive line, but it all depends on uh, you know what he likes. He, I, mean, he, I mean, eventually he's gonna fill out both positions. And he's gonna be comfortable in one of them. But uh, I really feel like whichever one he's more passionate about, I feel like he can do that. And um, if he, he he's been playing skill positions, so I mean he could use what he's learned from that to uh, trans, you know, transfer it down to. So, you know, uh, a defensive line, and, I mean, he, he has the footwork for it, so I really feel like, you know, he, he's just trying to uh, historic side, man, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know but there's nothing there's nothing like the thwack you feel from hitting that quarterback, right? Man, it's best. <laughs> oh, we, we asked this question all the time, Johnny, of, of all the prospects that we talk to. We, we – it's one of the ones that we have the most fun with. If you could have a superpower, any superpower, what would it be to help you in the game of football? Uh, man, speed killers. So I'll probably, you know, me, me being my side, I'll probably be like a, a bigger flash. I, I like, uh, add some speed to that superpower. Hmm. <laughs> You're you're the second one that's brought up Flash during this round of of interviews. It's a, it's interesting. Uh, the speed is is definitely something that more and more players want to get more of these days. Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, Johnny, I appreciate you joining us on the podcast. We're going to be watching you, and hopefully, we get to hear your name on draft weekend. Do you have any plans for draft weekend? Uh, not really. I just I, I just plan to be with my family and. Uh... We're going to be waiting on the call. Excellent. Well, good luck to you, Johnny. We're we're going to be rooting for you, and we definitely want to stay in touch and and see how the process goes for you. Yes, sir. Thank you. We do love talking to the NFL draft prospects, and uh, if you are an agent out there listening to the show right now, 
just reach out to us next fan up at gmail.com. I'd be more than happy to talk to your client about his prospects in the upcoming draft. I know Rob, you had uh, tweeted a guy at us, uh, but he did not get back to us. Uh, some dude in Buffalo. Oh, and now he's gone. All right. Well, Rob obviously uh, is not, is no longer here on the show. Somehow he's dropped off. But another tweet that uh, at NFU podcast received was from this guy at Clayton Nicholas, who, oh. uh, who who said ask the at NFU podcast guys. I've been constantly trying to warn everyone like the guy with the quote end is nigh sandwich board, but at Montsadius still doesn't believe that was in response to a tweet from Greg Rosenthal, who said not enough has been made about how insane Patrick Mahomes first start was. And there's a link to an article on NFL.com that Greg Rosenthal wrote. Well, responses to uh, Mr. Clayton Nicholas came in. Uh, Montsadius said, to be fair, uh, at Clayton Nicholas has also been telling us that Mahomes can throw a football right over that mountain. So you have to pick your battles with that guy. Uh, hashtag month of lies and included a gif from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, I responded, of course, because your young quarterback got lucky in one game uh, would not make me feel confident going into next season. Prepare for equal INTs to TDs. And that's sort of where we're at now. There were some other Chiefs fans that jumped in uh, at JT Favre. Uh, replied, I understand college stats mean mostly nothing, but Mahomes had a six to one TD to interception ratio. The idea he'll throw a ton of picks has somehow become a bandwagon idea. Yes, he'll make some poor choices, but he isn't an interception machine. To which I replied, I am the driver of the bandwagon, not a passenger. So uh, <laughs> I have no problems being called a bandwagon, but I might be the one that started the bandwagon. And so at Clayton Nicholas joins us now, our chief superfan. Hello, Nick. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You clearly have optimism about Patrick Mahomes. I clearly have pessimism. We put a wager on the board. I don't know how many weeks ago it was, but uh, now it's time to finalize the idea behind this wager because uh, we've been going back and forth on Slack about uh, why the highlights showcased in Greg Rosenthal's uh, article are not highlights that I would give me any sort of optimism to my young quarterback. Uh-huh. Yeah, basically, we've been having the same conversation both off and on the air uh, kind of for a while now about Patrick Mahomes, where I will say, I'm optimistic about Patrick Mahomes. And you'll say, no, he's bad. And I'll say, well, here's some evidence of him doing good things, making good throws. And you say, no, those are bad throws. Those could have been intercepted, theoretically, like any other ball. And then I'll say, okay, well, but he didn't actually have many interceptions in, uh, in college. In fact, he had a higher TD to interception ratio than any other QB that's come out in these last two classes, other than Baker Mayfield, who had just like a ridiculous one. And so I'm like, oh, but he was just lucky. Like, okay, well, but he was lucky in high in college. Then he was lucky in preseason. He was lucky in his one and only start. I'm not saying it's the equivalent of a full season in the NFL. The only thing that's really going to determine whether or not Patrick Mahomes is good is once he actually is you know, playing full-time in 2018, 2019, and we'll kind of be able to judge then. But I think there's plenty out there that can't be ignored that is, uh, <laughs> that is positive. You want to discount the fact that 
that Patrick Holmes was playing with all Chiefs backups, which basically all the wide receivers were Albert Wilson and a bunch of recent mid-round draft picks who only play special teams, against the Denver defense in Denver and played well, beat them, and had those four passes in particular, which Greg Rosenthal was correct to point out, are just wild, like really amazing throws, the sort of things that very few quarterbacks can do in this league. And you take that as evidence that he is going to fail. So, okay. So I think it's wager time. So just to retort to, to that, I would say that uh, this all, all backup Chiefs uh, offense versus the Denver defense in Denver, the, the plays that he made were not against Aqib Tlaib and Christopher Harris. These, these were plays that were made against Darian Stewart and Brendan Langley and DeMonte Thomas, not exactly the murderer's row that we expect out of the Denver defense. Uh, so but Chris Harris and Nikita Tlaib started that game. I mean, are you going to penalize him for choosing a better matchup on a pass play? Like he should have been forced. Hold on to... just one moment. Hold on just one moment. This was week. Oh, 17, this is Andy, our dolphin super fan who who's done a reverse Andy. He's now with us at the end of the podcast. Not <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> is, is I, are Andy it's and magical. Bill the same person? This, <laughs> this is, this is week 17. This is week 17. We're talking about what was the final? What was the final record of the Denver Broncos? Five and eleven, or whatever it was. You think these athletes who are one foot off the beach? They are literally ten minutes away from the beach. Ten football minutes away from the beach. In perhaps Denver? thirty real life minutes away from the beach. From their disastrous five and eleven season being over. You think they care about covering anyone? Are you really taking Mahomes seriously in his Week Seventeen performance against that team? Really? Here is my position. My position is that is greater than zero evidence of something. Um, but I mean, it still is. I mean, the, the, the Broncos were bad last year, but Vance Joseph and a bunch of these guys are still playing for the jobs and it is playing against your main division rival at home. I mean, that's still, that's not a total throwaway game, but either way, all of that's sort of beside the point. Uh, the, my point is just simply that there is actually, you know, pieces of, of evidence and tape out there that should make Chiefs fans optimistic about Mahomes. But and these were not the not these crazy. were not the evidence of 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 tape that should make you feel optimistic. One out of the four plays that were highlighted in Rosenthal's article was actually a good play. The other three were quite risky, and he got lucky that the play didn't turn out the way that it would if you took those same plays, played it out over a sixteen game season. If if he does that same play in sixteen games. Eight out of eight of those games, he's throwing an interception. The other eight times, he'll make a completion. Oh, that's great. But I don't, on a third and 10, don't want to be throwing an interception on my side of the football field. On a second and 17, yes, in the situation that he's in, scrambling for his life, two minutes left, his team is down, he's got to do something, drop a ball into triple coverage. Like, that's not a good decision. That shouldn't be... And- shouldn't be promoting optimism. It's a play that he got lucky on that. He, then he made the play good on him. If he does that through 16 games, that's not going to happen all the time. And so what your position is, is that on third and 10, he should have thrown the ball away or taken a sack and punted rather than throwing into a tight window and completing it. And then, and then that down, as you said, you know, this was the final drive of the game being down, you know, second and 17, and making again a completion that continued to the, the, the move the chains and allowed them to uh, score and win, but that was that he should not have even attempted that. Like, I don't understand. 
No, no, no. The point is, don't get, wait, don't get me defense. wrong. It's not that he shouldn't have attempted it. It's that looking at that play and feeling optimistic that if he does that play again, the same result is going to happen again. I feel like I'm having the same argument that I had with Sitko a few years ago that I can score two touchdowns on special teams in every single game uh, of the football season. It's crazy. Well, because my point is, is isn't like these throws were not totally unique. Like the only time we've ever seen Mahomes do this, like as if you know, like returning two kickoffs in a game is something that the Eagles had done maybe once in you know the, the history of the franchise or something like that. You know, th- this is what we saw on tape of him in college all the time, and that was part of the knock against him because he makes these throws from from crazy platforms. Probably you know, it's largely because he had to play hero ball at Texas Tech the whole time because the team was horrible. And he was always down by 24 points. And so, yeah, why not? Of course, he didn't throw it. But he didn't actually throw a bunch of interceptions there. And I know it's, it's a totally different level of competition. But so what we're looking at, and it's an incredibly small sample size, is can he make those same throws at the NFL level? And, again, one game is not going to prove that. But, you know, the thing is with Mahomes, it's like, again, like quarterbacks, you don't see quarterbacks be able to make these plays. But Mahomes makes them consistently. He has this, like, weird delivery, almost like baseball, because he was a baseball player where he can be falling down and throw it as if he's, you know, throwing a pitch to first base to, to make a double play. Um, and, and so the fact that he's able to actually demonstrate that he can do that is a source of optimism. I don't understand how you can look at that and say, well, yeah, but something that didn't happen could have happened, which is why this is actually bad. Well, because the the actual thought process that went into the throws and the actual mechanics of the throws are bad. The, when you look at it from an unbiased fan perspective, it doesn't matter because he completed it. Yes, in that particular game, point. you're right. It doesn't matter what the mechanics were because he completed the pass. Great. Right. But if he does those same mechanics over time, he's not going to complete that pass. He's going to complete it to the other team. So that is that is the basis of my argument. That's the basis of your argument. Uh, at this point, we have a wager. My thought process is that Alex Smith will have a better season than Patrick Mahomes. We now need to figure out how we're going to decide that and what the actual wager will be. I believe we're in agreement that if Mahomes ends up with a better season than Alex Smith, I will be purchasing a T-shirt, creating a T-shirt and wearing it and posting it. I'll make it my Twitter avatar for what do we want to say? The entire offseason that says 24 months. About 24, but we can make it if you want to make it a year, I'll make it a year. The the t shirt will say, I heart Patrick Mahomes, he's the best quarterback ever. All right, I think that's fair. And look, and if you know, by you know, this this map that we're going to create to determine this this wager in the unlikely event that Alex Smith outperforms Patrick Mahomes next year, uh, in Washington. I will design and wear and make my avatar for a year uh, a T-shirt that says, I'm just mad because we're never beating the Patriots. Excellent. So now we need to figure out how we're going to determine the performance of the quarterbacks. And fortunate for us, we have three other super fans here who can help us decide what the proper statistical uh, equation should be. Uh, I have proposed... Yards, completion percentage, total touchdowns, total interceptions, and touchdown to interception ratio. Um, and then also added that uh, some sort of expected wins grade, which I think Pro Football Focus provides, 
should also be somehow included into this conversation. Were well, there any pointed out? That's pretty much what QBR is, but okay, some combination of those. So okay. I think but, we should. I think we could also add in a little bit of uh, emphasis towards our other team, other our Kansas City better than they were than the previous year. Okay, you've, you've you've taken a a, a a guy who got you to the playoffs. What three three consecutive seasons, and you're swapping him out three for a five. yeah for his rookie quarterback. So you've got to have something there about wins or or was he better than than, than Smith? Okay, so the plus year. minus based on the previous season uh, for yeah, both teams and both quarterbacks. So how much is the reason Smith better than Kirk Cousins was? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, because you, well, it's a little bit different for Washington. Washington got rid of Cousins for different reasons than Kansas City got rid of Smith. Kansas City no, I got know, rid but of I'm Smith. I'm just saying. I'm I'm just saying in terms of win loss record. Yeah, sure. Which sure go for it. Yeah, 100 fair. But I, I'm yeah. I'm okay with including it as part of an equation. Yep. Um. So as someone who math makes their brain hurt and studies political science in school. I think we should have a vote amongst the super fans on what who has had the more successful season. And we can determine what the parameters are of that through discussion. But I think also should probably also include some math. James, the Texans statistic genius might be able to help us out with some of that. Okay, fair enough. James, do you want to add some input in on this? Well, you said total interceptions. I think you meant total turnovers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We can include fumbles. Yes. Okay. So, in other words, we still have some more discussion to do in term to determine how we will determine which quarterback has had a better season. But the parameters of the wager and the results of the wager have been set. Agreed, Nick? Agreed. All right. We'll put it on the board. Bang, bang. <laughs> I'll steal that. So let it be written. So let it be done. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, thanks for dropping by, Nick. It's been a spirited show so far. One that I know Neil loves to death at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm barely awake. But... Good. <laughs> There's one thing going. Can I just say one thing about Mahomes? Uh, two things about Mahomes. First of all, it's really tough for the guy because because Kansas City does not have the defense to support him uh, like they have done over the last couple of years. Uh, and that I think for a rookie, for a, for a young starting quarterback, having a having a really good defense is uh, is an absolute godsend for for any young quarterback. Uh, and I, I think, secondly, it's so hard to judge a young quarterback on one season, uh, you've got to give them two or three years before we really know who the, the real Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think we'll be, we'll be getting to in our AFC West preview, which, you know, all of those divisional previews will be coming out this summer. Check, you know, check those out, folks, once they're, they're here. But it's going to be interesting. I, I think the Chiefs defense is going to be much worse than last year just because it was so bad last year. And even the year before wasn't great. Um, and Smith, you know, sort of, Okay, despite that, um, but uh, we'll see what what happens in the draft. It's going to be an all defensive draft for the Chiefs, but the offense, the the cast around Mahomes is going to be slightly better than it is was around Smith, um, and we have yet to see him throw to Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, or Sammy Watkins. Um, that's going to mm-hmm. be fun. 
All right, there you go. There you have it. It's uh, it's our chief super fan, Nick. The the wager is on, and I can't wait to continue to smash Mahomes all year long. It's <laughs> going to be a fantastic twenty eighteen. You know, Jay, one of the one of the underrated helps to any quarterback, and especially a young quarterback, is also field position. And the defense can help you out with field position massively. Just ask, uh, just ask the reigning Super Bowl champions there. Mm, I'm sorry, actually, what? Mm-hmm. Field mm-hmm. position, what was the James. Field, field <laughs> position oh. is, uh, is, is extraordinarily helpful for, for any young quarterback if his defense can give him good field position. Yeah, that, you that, guys that, did that is that true. But, yeah, and unfortunately, we, I don't think there was a battle of field position in the Super Bowl considering neither team, well, we punted, no, 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 no. but it was the only punt of the game. Sure, it but you can't argue was, that Wentz... You can't argue that oh, Wentz, yeah. uh, his, his development was helped so much by you getting great field position uh, a number oh, of, of games. Of course, you don't let a team cross the 50 and you force them to punt. Yeah. You're starting off somewhere between the 30 and the 40 at best. Yeah. One last thing about the wager before we go. Uh, are we also in agreement that injury and loss of games will make this wager null and void? So if nope. uh, Alex Smith busts his ACL in week one, we're, we're not obviously continuing this wager uh only if it happens hold on very superior only only if the season if it's a season ending injury and it happens in the first two weeks sure we can null and void the entire wager any injury after say week 10 even if it's for like a week or two wager still on yeah i would say no i mean come on if you get injured it's your own stupid fault half the time so uh Get out of the way, stay Let's fit. Cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. So hey, paid. Well, quite <laughs> frankly, I think uh, Mahomes would be more likely to get injured than than Smith because Mahomes appears to be a younger, I don't more know. spry guy that likes to run around. Like... Washington's offensive line is fine. They won't they won't lay a finger on Smith. Uh, that was one <laughs> thing Cousins always had at Washington was a good old line. Uh, are you sure about that? that? Oh yeah, I've been watching Eagles highlights of the previous season, and every game against Washington, I see him smothered by a sea of green. Oh, but that, but that's that's unfair. You're doing that to every team. Uh, I don't think Kansas City, (laughs) Kansas Kansas City, don't have a a potential Hall of Fame left tackle, for example, like we do. Our offensive line's fine. There's like we have like one spot on the offensive line we could possibly upgrade, but Mahomes is gonna they're gonna do like some sort of like mixed like spread West Coast offense, where Mahomes is gonna be like passing out of the shotgun like half the time. He's gonna be fine. Alex Smith's taking a lot of hits though. I mean, he he rarely missed more than one game, but he's probably gonna keep on scrambling. So, Neil, I feel bad because I, I I promised you to do free agent grades. I just don't feel like we have the time to do that unless we're going to do one of our classic two hour long shows. We could do uh, one. Absolutely not. We can do one conference this week and one conference next week. I feel like we can save both conferences for next week. Yeah. I mean, how much how much news do we actually think is going to happen between now and next week? Not a lot. like four more trades. Well, mm. I can just imagine if if you if the Patriots trade for some seventh round nobody, we're going to have at least an hour on that, aren't we? No, no, not if they trade for a seventh round nobody. But if they trade away Gronk and Brady, we'll certainly have a seven hour long show on that. Because I'll be crowing from the mountaintops that I was right and yeah. you all were wrong. Imagine what you if Odell imagine goes what to you'll the be able to do with all those, we're having an emergency pod. <laughs> imagine what you'll you'll do, Jay, with all those fifth and sixth round picks you get for them. <laughs> <laughs>
No, that's exactly why we'll have a seventh round, a seven hour pod because I'll be beyond upset if that's all they get for those two players. Um, all right. Well, Nick, uh, you might as well hang out for the last article that I have here. And as we continue to make this the most Patriots heavy, uh, next oh, no, podcast no, ever. <laughs> no uh, I know what the, this is going to be. The Tennessee Titans uh, unveiled their new uniforms. And I thought it was interesting uh, that the color scheme that they chose was navy blue with silver and white and red highlights. Uh, that seems very familiar to me. And now not only do they take all of our players in free agency, have one of our hall of famers as their head coach, have a GM who has ties to New England. They're clearly the, now the new England Patriots of the South. Awful. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> I'm glad I left you all speechless on my rant. Gee, about uh, I, Titans new uniforms. I presume the Patriots used to have more red in the uniforms, didn't they? It was more red, white, and blue. Well, the in the original the original red. Patriots uniform, they had red was their primary color, was yeah. their home jersey. You do realize that now when you change to blue, because I, I would imagine that as you're the Patriots, that that color scheme was based on the Union flag, the British uh, uh, Union flag. So you were in red for a while. That was kind of the English part of the flag. Then you changed to blue which, of course, is the Scottish part of the flag, it only follows common sense would, would dictate that that's when you became successful. So, hey, well done, you. <laughs> we got to go, go Welsh and, and get a, you know, some green and a dragon in there. The green in oh, there, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. The discussion has been evolved into chaos. Yes, yes, it has. But, but, that, but that, would have been, that would have been why you started off red, white, and blue, no? The whole Patriots thing. Well, yeah, right. Are you yeah. trying to say that the United States just basically copied everything from their, you know, former overlords uh, of Great Britain to absolutely you know, they choose did. their color scheme? And we did it yeah. way better. <laughs> oh yeah, how's that? How's that going price. for you? Sure, I'm gonna let you have that. <laughs> uh, so many uh, things I could say that's not appropriate for air right now. <laughs> Well, listen, if you are a Tennessee Titans fan and you want to join in on this chaotic conversation, nextfanup at gmail.com is the way to get in touch with us. We don't have an active Titans fan, so we could we could certainly use one. And of course, I mentioned the Panthers and the what was the other team? Bengals. Bengals. Thank you. Those are the other two teams that we're looking for active super fans for. And that's going to become very important because we're going to start the super fan super mock draft here uh, probably this weekend. I know that there was a draft that started, but that's already thrown out the window. It's ridiculous. I had to act as the giant super fan and I traded away the second round pick. But that was before they got rid of Jason Pierre Paul and clearly they, they would not do the trade that I did. So, the Superfan Super Mock Draft will be coming up. Are you up. still bitter about the Giants winning two Super Bowls against you? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Big I only recall oh, them beating us once in a Super Bowl. Are you sure? You remember that season you guys went perfect, you know, 16-0, and 0, and you, you know, kind of yeah. limped through the playoffs a little bit. Yeah. And then that, yeah. that Super Bowl the game. Super Bowl I've ever no, seen. they didn't play a Super Bowl that year. They called uh, the Super yeah, Bowl off did. that year. No, they did not. Yeah. Yep. No, actually, Tyree and Justin Timberlake sticking a wad of bubble gum on his helmet. You remember that? 
Yeah, I don't I don't understand why they show that highlight because I I don't recall that game ever actually occurring. I see so James, that highlight quite often. James, what, James, what would actually what would actually saying, James, is that uh, New England have never beaten the NFC East and they haven't even played the two best teams yet. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> they just lost oh, to the best my. team in the NFC East. What are you talking about, Neil? <sighs> That's some good trash talk there. From a guy who hasn't won a Super Bowl in quite some time. Hey. hey. Three times we've won it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a yeah, long time Yeah, all before ago. I finished high school. But before, before Ken was even born. True. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, that does cover a lot of teams, though. That, uh, wow. It really does. Yeah. It really Almost does. spit up my drink. <laughs> So uh, tweet us at NFU podcast, just like uh, at Clayton Nicholas did. And some of his chiefs buddies, apparently, because they, they all jumped on the bandwagon after I jumped in. So that was good. Hopefully they're listening. Hopefully they're listening. Are they listening? Nick, do you know any of those guys? They better be. I I hope so. For sure. Facebook.com slash NFU podcast. You can find all of our podcasts there. And of course you can listen and subscribe anywhere. Great podcasts are heard. Apple podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Yeah. We'll have more draft prospects, hopefully uh, in the coming weeks, the super fan, super mock draft. In the meantime, Andy Dalton and I continue to have our feud, man, I'm feuding with everybody. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's a me issue. Probably so is. pretty much considering you don't remember Super Bowls taking place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's taking us two hours to get there. Huh? That's what we've learned this week. There you have it. I never even heard his his interview. So I don't know the context in which it was said. I don't know what he said before. I don't know what he said after. So I still haven't seen it. I'm not going to watch. I don't care. You know, but you know, I've got no ill will towards Jay. There's no feud between me and Jay. I think uh, we lost the game. He said what he said. And, you know, we're moving on. That's. In the past now. Follow me on Twitter at KenPriest95. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.